Hello, and thanks so much for joining us on today's episode of the Becoming Financially Fit podcast, a podcast for business owners to give you the confidence to embrace your numbers and to help you put simple practices in place to make your business financial life easier. We are here to support you as your business grows and as you become financially fit. I am your host, Stacey Price, founder and owner of Healthy Business Finances. And yes, I am a totally self-confessed numbers nerd, loud and proud, an accountant, a business owner, and someone who believes that education is the best form of self-defense. So let's do this and get stuck into today's episode. I hope you love it. Hello and welcome to episode three of the Becoming Financially Fit podcast, the podcast to help business owners overcome their financial fears. Today we are talking to Fiona Hurl from Inspired Women Institute. Fiona has done a complete 180 going from successful corporate career woman to helping stressed out women get the best out of themselves and their lives. Gosh, where do I sign up? Proving that burnout in the corporate world can truly be the catalyst to create the life you are meant to live, Fiona is walking proof of that. Today we are chatting all things corporate career and what happens when you give that up to pursue happiness and health. And more importantly, doing the inner work on yourself to show up as a real, raw and unapologetic business owner. As a former corporate woman myself, I am so happy to be chatting all things corporate burnout and living your real, authentic self as a businesswoman on today's podcast with Fiona Hurl. Thanks for joining us today, Fiona. And can you start by sharing with our listeners a little bit more info about who you are and what the Inspired Women Institute is? Thank you. Well, I guess in simplest terms, what I'm described as is a holistic empowerment coach. What does that mean? Well, it really started when I took myself out of the corporate world once I realized how unhealthy I was being and I delved into the world of personal training. And then from that, what I realized was that for the women and the clients that I was seeing is that it's great to be able to move, but if our mind and our habits and our thinking and behaviors don't all align with that, then it's really difficult for us to be the best that we can be physically and mentally. So from there, I went on and started to focus on positive psychology, life coaching, holistic methods. So starting to look more at energy, vibrational stuff, and then also bringing in the nutrition side of things. So for me, I work with the whole client rather than just being a personal trainer or a nutritionist or a life coach. And what that means is that we have a look at all of those really key areas of their life. So their physical health, their mental health, their social health, their emotional health, and their spiritual health as the five key elements. And when we start to bring those into alignment, we see these people that are just so empowered and inspired to step up and live their best life and bring all of themselves to whatever this journey called life is, (laughs) fundamentally. (laughs) Hmm. I want to touch on that because I find that really interesting that there's so many elements that you focus on. Now, as a former corporate woman that used to go into the city every day and wear a suit and wear heels and and look like I had all my shit together, I probably was only focusing on one of those five areas, if that. Hmm. How do you encourage people to think about those other areas when perhaps they don't even really know they exist? 
Yeah. The first thing that I guess we start to language and look at is putting the person back into their driver's seat. So I talk about this analogy of when we join the corporate world, you know, we rock up on day one and they give us the access pass and we hand over our soul. And so our main priority becomes work. But in order to do work well, you need to take care of yourself. And that's a really powerful shift in the first instance for so many people because it's then understanding around, oh, so my sleep impacts how I'm feeling at work or my energy Right. Oh, so, you know, what I'm eating, which my case of back then, you know, my balanced diet was as long as I didn't eat the same takeaway two days in a row, you now start to understand that the body is the thing we need to take care of first and then how that impacts out into that other world that we're being present in, which is our work life, our relationships, you know, all those sorts of things. So it can be a really big aha moment in terms of, being able to come back in alignment with the body as opposed to, you know, even when we hear when people dieting, oh, you know, my body's not doing what I expect it to do. And that's because we're trying to control it as opposed to understanding it and then getting the best out of it. Yeah. Wow. Control versus understanding. That's wow. Okay. In two minutes, I've learned about 57 things. So that's quite quite amazing. I'm like, let's not go through my diet. Although I am drinking a green juice at the moment for some other health benefits to do with some medication I'm on. So I like to think I'm trying to head things in the right direction. But I want to go back to that first time because you did used to be in the corporate world and have that career in the corporate Mm. world. So how did you flip from coming out of that into doing this instead? Yeah. Yep. That was one of those pivotal points, I guess, on the journey that we will have. And for me, I started to notice that I had been constantly sick. So I always had a chest infection or a cold or something like that. All of the laryngitis, the pharyngitis, the laryngitis, the bronchitis, the everything. What really started to, I guess, become apparent was why was I constantly sick? And why couldn't I lose weight? Or why was I now diagnosed with PCOS? And then this reality check of, you know, you may never have children. It's like, hang on, I've just been going to work. How come I've now, my whole life has just changed? (laughs) That wasn't on the job description. (laughs) No, no. And one of the things that I had the biggest aha moment for me in terms of, you know, how this all sort of started that change was Never ever did I have a doctor question my lifestyle. I never had a doctor ask me, what does your diet look like? And diet, I don't mean, you know, are you on the 5-2 or the intermittent? I mean, you know, what was my nutrition like? What was my weekend behavior like? So I would go on drinking binges every weekend. They never asked me how much exercise I did. They never asked me about my stress management. They never pulled all these elements together to go, Fiona, you are actually experiencing this from your body because look at all the stuff you're doing to it. So when I started to think, hang on, I need to step up and take a little responsibility here, it was at that point, and physically I had gone through fracturing my tibia because I thought training for a half marathon would be a great idea. So then I was in a moon boot for three months and during that three months my body just went out of proportion and I put on a lot of weight. And it was sort of that discomfort that physically made me want to find out what is all this going on? Why is this happening? And so I started that journey of what do I know that I could do better? 
without having to go and pay a trainer and all of this to start up with, what do I just know? So I started to write everything I ate in a diary, judgment-free, but what I would do is everything that I knew instinctively was not a great food for me, I'd highlight it. So the first few weeks, it was just fluoro yellow. <laughs> and then, oh, no. <laughs> and I'm like, oh. <laughs> so then I started to think, okay, what's something that I could just do 1% better? So, you know, it was replacing the 3 o'clock chocolate and can of Coke with a chocolate protein bar and a mineral water and just starting on that kind of small incremental change where it didn't feel like oh overnight overhaul and then once I started to get evidence that I could do some of these things on my own that's when I started to work with a serious trainer who then you know I got more educated around the body the mind the soul the connection of you know how we fit into this big wide world and you know are we in alignment with the work we're doing and all of this sort of stuff and so that sort of started that trajectory over a year and then I remember being at work one day with a good friend of ours and I said to her oh my god imagine if I could actually help other people feel this happy that would be awesome and then that was the pivoting point to I pretty much registered my business name the next day and went this is what I'm going to go and do this is how I'm going to do it and that's how I've ended up here. (laughs) That's amazing because I think so many people on their journey to be a business owner know that They've got another calling in some way, but yeah. they're just not quite sure what it is or what it looks like or, or how it's supposed to be. So did you always have an inkling that one day you would run your own business or was it more a catalyst over time that it just evolved? I think I probably did have something within me, but I just hadn't correlated it to being my own business. When I think back, even when I was in high school, I would never do homework, but I'd be in my room. (laughs) And so I had my desk set up like a businesswoman and, you know, I had my little radio and we didn't have computers then, but I had my little notebook and my pens and everything. So I think part of me wanted to be a businesswoman. And then I guess being in that corporate world, I just assumed that that part of me was in the serving of the work that I did. But now working, you know, in my business on my own, I now see that maybe some of those behaviours and and the risk-taking, when I have a look back at my life, I'm like, whoa, you know, you've done some interesting risks that people wouldn't necessarily do. But, you know, if you don't take a risk, you don't take a leap, you'll never know what's within you. So I guess it was probably within me, but, you know, it's not until now that I can look back and go, oh, maybe that behaviour was related to Doing things my way, I think that's that's probably one of the key learnings. I don't like to be told what to do. um, (laughs) Which is pretty much the exact opposite of corporate life, isn't it? Yes. You know, you come to work at this time, you do this, you sit here, you know, you go home at this time and it's very structured, which I understand why it's like that in some instances, but it does almost hold people back because they don't have that ability to think outside the box in some instances. Absolutely. And given the roles that I did, you know, in terms of senior executive assistant, it's always supporting someone. So, you know, I was able to do things in a way that aligned, you know, with how I was serving them. But there was a lot of, I guess, the strategy was to ensure that everyone else was taken care of and to make sure that, you know, I did that in my way. Whereas running business is very much about you've got to make sure you're taken care of and your business and your clients. And so it's just a different way of being able to, I guess, pivot that energy and that taking care of others. And when you move from the corporate world into 
your own business, how did you feel on what we like to call the numbers don't scare me scale? So we have some people who are down the petrified end because it's something they've never had to deal with. You know, when they've had a job for somebody else, the wage is paid every week or every month and the tax is sorted, the soup is sorted, all those magic things happen behind the scenes. And we have some people who nerdily geek out over Excel spreadsheets and have got pivot tables and macros and all kinds of funky things set up. So how did you feel in that first instance of going, holy heck, this all is on me now? I think I just made out that I didn't have to take care of it, to be honest. I hadn't really thought about the reality of that the income wasn't going to just come. I think I was hoping divinely and universally that it would all be taken care of. But the reality was that it just doesn't. And no matter how hard I was hustling, you just have to look at those numbers. And so I just chose to ignore it. I had never been responsible with money before that. And so I guess I just yeah, just hoped it would take care of itself, which is very naive when I look back. (laughs) Yeah, but I think it's one of those cases that a lot of people, you know, we're not taught this information at school, even now, you know, back when we were at school, we definitely didn't talk about it. You also didn't talk about money with your family. You know, that was not something we were brought up to discuss. So all of a sudden we're thrown into a role where a lot of that stuff is handled behind the scenes. And so you move into the business space where it's us and it's almost like, why has nobody ever told me how important this is or or how it's structured or how I need to think about it? But at the same Mm. time, you want your business to be a success. So you're spending so much time on the business that it almost does get neglected, even if you did want to take care of that side. So I think Mm. a lot of people are in that same boat and I guess it comes with confidence over time. But I guess one of my hopes is that a lot of stories we hear is, People say, obviously, it's just me. You know, I don't understand it. I'm the only person in the world that doesn't understand it. You know, it'll make sense sooner or later. So I just want to really encourage those who are listening that you're definitely not alone if you have ignored Mm. the numbers side. And it does get easier over time, obviously, you know, with a little bit of help on the side. So in terms of your business then, you know, we've gone from a corporate career to running a business. How do you know or how do you determine if your business is a success? And I don't just mean money. It could be a client base, a brand awareness, being happy, feeling better about yourself. What does that success look like to you for your business and how did you recognize that was happening? That's a really, really great question. Success in my business now is definitely Having people be able to see me and, you know, talk about my business and talk about my life and see how the two overlap and are congruent, I guess, as opposed to being someone that talks about empowerment and health and well-being, and this has happened to me, but yet being totally burnt out, hating on my body, sick, all of those sorts of things. So the first level of success for me is that I'm living in alignment with what I'm talking about which has meant that over the years I've stopped doing certain things. It was taking me energetically and physically away from the stuff that I held my clients with. Another element of success, though, is that people want to work with me. You know, so people are understanding what the messaging is and why I do it, but what the impact is for them as well in their life and why they would want to step up and, you know, hang out in our space, I guess, is what I like to call it in terms of, There are people in my client community 
who are a little bit in and they, so they're dipping their toe in and just learning about a few little things and then there's other people that are all in and the work that they're doing on themselves is completely changing their life, their family, their finances, you know, their business, their career. So many people I have worked with and coached and, and they've ended up leaving the corporate world and gone start their own business and I'm like, oh, my God, people are going to hate me for working with their staff because I'm empowering them so much to leave their job. <laughs> but maybe you know, you're success. just helping them find what really matters to them. Like that's not a bad Absolutely. thing. We want people to shine. We want people to be in alignment with who they are and, and why they're here. And that to me is success. When I see other people stepping up and shining in the world who maybe didn't have confidence and courage and, and were hiding behind sickness and, you know, ill health and all of these sorts of things, that is success. And success for me coming right back to the, I guess, the core thing for me is that if I can get up each day and do things that make me happy but also help other people be happy and healthy, then that's the best thing I can do in my life. I love the fact, and this is something we ask everyone about success because it does mean different things to everyone, which I love. And so far, not one person has related it back to money. And most times when Mm. you do hear the stories of success, it's talking about, you know, I had my first you know, million dollar year or I had my first six figure month, then it's all related to a dollar value. And I love the people that we talk to. That may be a great consequence or a side effect, but it's not what they deem as success. And I love the fact that your success is almost based on other people being successful. Yeah, if we can create an environment of happy and healthy and empowered and inspired and confident women, then that is like the greatest success we can have in the whole world. Oh, yes. And then give me a tissue. (laughs) I know. I was like, gosh, this is all turning. Am I going to have to change the name of the podcast to like Stacey Cries or something? I'm not sure. (laughs) Stacey does Oprah style. (laughs) I know. But I think the thing is, And especially in the current pandemic that we're facing in Australia, especially in Victoria, you know, there was probably a health crisis before that in terms of a lot of people probably don't even know that they're in a health crisis. What we see on social media is playing on a lot of people's minds because obviously it's the highlight reel, as everybody says. I think it's nice to know that we realize that most of what we see is not reality and we all are facing some internal battles on one level or another. And it's nice to know that there is support for those people that do need help in various areas to try and get them to Mm. to be a better version of themselves. So I think that's a fabulous way Mm. of looking at success. Mm. So I want to go back to when you did first start your business and you left the corporate world. A lot of questions we get asked by people is, how do you fund leaving I wouldn't say secure job, but, you know, you get paid every pay run Mm -hmm. and it comes into your bank account and it's nice and it's comfortable. How do you then fund a business when most times we don't even know what it costs to start a business? We just start and then we think about some of those things after the fact. So Mm -hmm. did you have a bit of a plan when you started that business about the cash flow side of things or how did you tackle that area? My face just cringed because I had no plan. (laughs) (laughs) I had absolutely no plan. I just had a dream and I had risk-taking and that was what happened. So 
I was kind of on my final paycheck from work. I was kind of a bit excited because I had some extra holiday pay and I don't know, whatever else must have been thrown in there. And, and I looked and I'm like, oh, wow, I've got like three months pay, <laughs> which when I look back now, I'm like, that's really not enough to get started in some senses. There are other businesses that could start on, you know, smell of an oily rag and they'll be absolutely fine. But I guess I wasn't starting with a clean slate either. I had a lot of financial debt that just kind of became normal to me. So starting a business without a financial plan or, you know, even knowing what I was going to price point at, it actually created a lot of anxiety that I had no idea was going to pop up really. When I start to think back to, you know, what was I offering? And I knew I had value but the value that I brought was based on the corporate world, you know, deciding of that value. But when you go into a completely different space, like personal training, people are looking for the value that you bring in terms of the years of experience or, you know, how many thousand courses you've done in that arena. And so that was one of my first, I guess, belief challenges was remembering that I still had a lot of knowledge around health and well-being and fitness based on my own journey, based on the years and years of reading and studying and going to training camps and things like that that I had done, but I just hadn't implemented necessarily very well in my own life. And then also bringing to the table for those clients that I started working with, that background in understanding that I understood what it was like for them to work in corporate <laughs> and to only be able to find half an hour a week to come and do personal training with me and all of these sorts of things. So whilst I then started to build that confidence around my value, there was still a blockage around how much I was going to charge people for that. So I was building that confidence, but the connection to the money was a bit of a challenge there. And then also on the back of that, I didn't even know what numbers I needed to hit each month in order to survive. So I probably did it in the most messed up way <laughs> that anybody could ever do, but I'm grateful now for those life lessons that came from it, despite how challenging and hard they were. Yeah. And look, you know, you could have done a six-year forecast and a plan and wasted 20 hours doing it. And within two months, it'd be completely so off track. It, it wouldn't have helped you anyway. So if there's any consolation, yep. there's definitely no right <laughs> or wrong way to start a business. I guess it, it's always going to be tough in those first months or even first one to two years because you're still finding yeah. your way and, and what services it is that, you know, you really want to drill down on. But in those early mm -hmm. years, did you have people around you, whether that was family, friends, or other business owners that you knew to call on for support? I think I had a few connections that had started business, but not very close. And I guess certainly didn't have family or friends, you know, in the circle that had started business. So I was sort of a bit of a rogue, you know, sort of going out on my own. And that really did, I guess, bring up some belief challenges of other people. Why would you leave a job? It was not seen as the done thing to do, I guess, in my oh, gosh, in yeah. my arena. And people yeah. And people I think my dad to, still um, asked me that seven years later. So yeah. Mm. <laughs> yeah. why would you leave a job? Why would you not just stay there and just make the best of it? And I'm like, well, I didn't hate my job. I didn't hate my career, but I just wasn't aligned to it anymore. 
And so that support of, of people around that had started business wasn't, it wasn't necessarily there, but I also had a strategy where I had always been taught, if you ask for help, you're weak. So whether they would have been around or not, I probably would have still ended up on the same path, I think, as to what, yeah, where that took me. Yeah. So now that business has been going for a few years and we've got a few experiences under your belt, whether they are the highs <laughs> or the lows or, or a combination, can you determine yep. what has been the biggest factor in helping your business grow to where it is now compared to those early days? Certainly a lot of work that I've done around my own mindset and beliefs, that was a major shift in terms of how I saw what I did and how I brought that to the world and believing that what I did and how I did it was worthy. The other thing, you know, being more aligned and being surrounded by people that have been on the path before me who I know I can have open and honest conversations with. I think one of the key things when I first started was I was so worried about people judging me. And so, again, you know, why would I talk about money if I'm so worried that they're going to say, oh, God, you only made $300 this week. Okay, but it's only my first month out. Come on. <laughs> so certainly aligning with people that have gone before me and that are, that have had experiences but also who are going to stretch me and challenge me. I don't want to be surrounded by people that are going to keep me comfortable. I want to keep growing. I want to keep getting better. I want to, you know, that me and my business and my clients – and the other thing was, you know, working on that belief system, my belief system around money, stepping up to honour it as opposed to just thinking it would always be around, you know, which is you know, my belief system from corporate and taking care of the things that I needed to take care of. So I was mentioning about that debt was just a common theme in my world. Taking care of that, stepping up and owning it and then dealing with it and moving it on has just propelled my business forward so much because, you know, that victim mindset's not there anymore. It's not, you know, that I'll always be prisoner to some debt. Now it's, okay, what's healthy debt? What's not healthy debt? What is my relationship with money? How does that portray when I'm working with people and they're, you know, thinking around investing in themselves? So it's just been a game changer in terms of taking care of that stuff and being able to talk openly about that with people so that, you know, other women that I work with in the corporate world now understand how their relationship with money. So again, <laughs> we talk about health and wellbeing, but how is their relationship with money impacting their life? And now I'm literally seeing women who are in their fifties and sixties going, Oh, okay. If I build a better relationship with myself, I build a better relationship with money. I build a better relationship with my spending habits. Maybe I don't need to have all of this debt, which I've just had because that's a part of working in corporate. It's yeah. how we live. And I think so much of it does come back really to, oh, it's just always been there. And it's like, okay, it's always been there. Yes. It doesn't mean it has to always be there in the future. No. But, and know. when I looked back, I had my first debt was when I was 15 years old and I got a John Martin store card back in Adelaide <laughs> and they gave me $500. And I'm like, but I wash dishes at a pub. How come? Okay. So I went and bought a $110 country road jumper because I wanted to fit in. And that was the spiral until I was 42 and finally cleared my debt. Yeah. Like, but do you feel crazy. now that you've had a bit of a weight lifted off your shoulder? Is that how it feels? 
Oh, huge. Yes. What it's actually enabled me to do in my own personal relationship is be able to talk about money with my partner now. I'm not thinking because we're very independent with our money. I'm not thinking, oh, I need to, you know, ham it up a bit. So he thinks, you know, I'm getting this income and doing this. I openly talk about him with my figures in business now to the point he's literally just messaged to give me a high five for the sale that I made just before this call. Like, that's amazing. That that is like so powerful. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, so my relationship is so much better because it's, there is nothing to hide now. There is absolutely nothing to hide. So my whole life has changed. So good. But I want to talk about something that perhaps wasn't so nice because we've all faced some really difficult financial decisions in business, whether that's, you know, to do with Mm -hmm. staff, whether it's to do with leasing a property and it it sounds like a great idea, but perhaps it just wasn't the right time or changing your servicing or changing your pricing. So was there something that perhaps you're willing to discuss with with everyone this week? (laughs) About something yes. that perhaps yes. wasn't, you know, the nicest thing to go through, but, but was there something mm. at the end, which, you know, is a positive story that came out of it might not have felt like that at the time. Yeah. <laughs> There's a few bruises on my knees and, you know, scratches <laughs> on my face, but, and I'm very happy to talk about it because I think it's important that we, we uh, have open conversations around around these experiences. But for me, like I said, when I left corporate, I had credit cards, I had a car loan, I had everything because that's it's just what I thought you do. And so when I started business, obviously that stability of income wasn't there. But again, I was living in hope that the world would <laughs> thank you, universe, and you'll take care of it. But clearly I hadn't done my share of the bargain for the universe to deliver quite yet. When I started business... It was probably three, so I had three months worth of savings or, or pay out from my career and I sort of survived about two months after that, three months after that and then I took out the last $50 from the credit card of one of the credit cards that I was able to scrimp some money from and that moment I realised there's a bit of a challenge here because <laughs> I know that two days later the car loan is going to want to come out the credit card bill was going to come. Like it was just all these things. The thing for me that I hadn't realized was that these debts or these, these payments, they're going to come regardless of whether I get money or not. And so there was a period of there where I just ignored the fact that I had to pay these things. And I was again, hoping that, you know, I'd do a Stephen Bradbury and at the last minute, some money would come flying my way and I'd be able to, you know, rob Peter to pay Paul and everything would be hunky dory. But the more I ignored it, the worse it got. And it it happened not quickly, but it did happen quicker than I was expecting. It got to the point where I was not answering phone calls because debt collectors started to ring, you know, sort of having to make up these stories because I was hiding it from my partner. So we lived together, but he had no idea. This is how good of a perfectionist strategy I had been taught in corporate. He had no idea that all of this was going on, that I had no money, that I was stealing food, that I, you know, was putting together $5 for petrol. I mean, I was like looking for gold coins so I could get petrol, things like this. And so it, it took a real toll on my mental health because I guess I'd been seen in my own light as, you know, someone that was quite successful in corporate and 
you know, I'm very proud of my career, but suddenly I didn't want anyone to know who I was. I didn't want to pop up on anyone's radar because I didn't have anything good to tell them. I didn't have this, you know, wonderful business story like everyone expected in corporate. People in corporate thought you just walk out and boom, like you get the <laughs> <Magic>. same salary. <laughs> this is n- not the case. <laughs> so, you know, all of these sort of stories and things that I had to try and work out behind the scenes and it just took such a toll and spiraled into depression Again, though, on top of this, I was still doing the hustle, hustle. I'm trying to make money. So I would be awake for like 20 hours a day, just trying to make it work. So spiral down into that depression, got to a point where I'm like, I cannot even work out how to solve this problem anymore. And I'm too embarrassed to ask anyone or tell anyone. So I believed that my only option out was to take my life. And so I remember messaging my sister we were meant to be catching up on the weekend and I messaged her and I wrote it in a way that alluded to I'm just not going to be there on the weekend and you know all of this sort of I guess dilly-dallying around of the message and she rang me straight away and she said I know that it's not what you expected and it's not where you want it to be but this is not failure this is just a part of the journey And it was almost like in that moment that I went, oh, (laughs) it's okay to have a bumpy part. And that very day was the day I was able to open up and have the conversation because I forgot a key piece. When your car gets repossessed out the driveway, you can't make up stories anymore. (laughs) You you can't explain where your car has just gone for a holiday to. Like, (laughs) so I had to come clean, (laughs) which I was like, oh God. And, even then, when I look back, I'm like, you just tried to make it a little bit of a, this isn't that bad of a thing. But it is. Like, it was a big, big challenge. You know, it was $50,000 in debt. That's, like, just crazy. And it wasn't healthy debt. If it was, you know, if it was something that you were buying, you know, maybe a property, that's a different thing. But it was just, it was just supermarket spending debt. It was ridiculous debt. So to be able to open up and have that conversation with my partner and say, because I believed that I'd failed. I believe I'd failed everyone. I couldn't even get a job. That's how much of negative energy that I was in. I couldn't even get a job as a cleaner. Yeah, I'd been a six-figure senior executive assistant. I'm like, what is happening in my world right now? So for him to just say that, remember that you're the only person we know that started a business and you're the only person that's tried and you, I've seen you be determined and keep going and keep studying plus you're doing business and it's okay. You just need to tell someone. I'm like, oh my God, really? That is all I had to do was to tell someone and share the load. And then I might not be in this position right now. So the biggest game changer was just being able to open up and have the conversation of reality of, hey guys, this is what I'm experiencing. And I just put so much pressure on myself to succeed in those early months. Yeah. It was like the expectations were so high. Yeah. Posted a quote the other day, you know, don't don't compare your chapter one to someone else's chapter 54. And that's what I was doing. I was looking at people that were years ahead of me going, why aren't I there yet? And it's like, just like in the gym, if you want to lift 100 kilos, you've got to start with the first yeah. kilo. You can't just go and press 100 and go, gee, that didn't work <laughs> out so well. <laughs> I know. Yeah. If we look at yeah. turning that around to where you are now, 
how do you change so mm. that you don't get into $50,000 of debt again? Like what are your strategies now to take care of your financial health, whether that's business, personal health, all those kinds of things on the financial side? Because you've come so far that you must have some great practices in place now to look after that side for you. Yeah. The first thing I had to do was sit down and do a reality check and actually write down all of the expenses that I had each month. So that's not just food. It was like, what are your website expenses? What are your Canva expenses? What are all these things that you are paying for that you need to decide? Is this an essential right now that you must have? Or is this one of those things that you signed up and you thought that, you know, $97 a month, that's easy. But when you've got five of those things happening at once, $500 is a little bit of a different assessment. So it was having a look, what are all these expenses? What are the essentials right now? And back then, the essential was the internet and the phone. That's it. Because if I didn't have those, I can't contact my customers. Some of the other things I had to suck up and go, well, maybe right now, you know, these aren't expenses that are necessary. Maybe they're sort of phase two expenses. So then it was getting really honest and ending some of those commitments of money. Then from there it was, okay, so now that I know what my expenses are, what do I need to attract in? So how many customers or how many sales calls do I need to have? So it was some of those, what felt like icky things to assess in the first instance because like, oh, I don't know. It's like, you know what, you're just going to have to start with a number and then you'll be able to, you know, massage it as you go along. And then I did a lot of work on reading books about money. So whilst I might not have been able to invest in perhaps a money coach, I started with what can I do? So I went to the library, borrowed all of these sorts of money books, and I just focused on money for the month. You know, I tend to pick a theme now per month and just focus on that. So it was focusing on money and really leaning into what's my behavior around money. So there was a quote I heard the other day, actually, if money was your partner, would you still be making love with it? I'm oh, like, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah. I might have to think about that one. <laughs> <I'm> like, oh. <laughs> Again, you know, when I would think back, I just assumed that money would come in, you know, I'm deserving on it, but my belief system really told me I didn't feel like I was deserving of it. So read all the money books and not the ones that were so complex that I felt like even more of an idiot. You know, I certainly love Canna Campbell. I think the way that she talks about money makes it real, makes it honest. You know, we've got Koshi, we've got all those sorts of ones. And I just absorbed as much of it as I could and then looked for what do they recommend that aligns with me and let me bring that into play. So what I do is I have a weekly budget. So I'm really clear. I have a very specific weekly budget. I'm a bit more of a cash lady these days, so I have no credit cards, no loans. It's taken me five years to pay back to the federal government all of these outstanding monies that I had and everything. So I'm clear. I'm. It's like coming out of jail. <laughs> <laughs> and so, and so I have a very fixed weekly budget, which you know for me just makes things easy. So I take out how much cash I need. My dog has his own purse, so he has a budget of $50 a week. Yep. I have 
some envelope methods. So I wear contact lenses, so I know every week I've got to put some money away for that for each month. So that goes into an envelope. Then my petrol money goes into an envelope. And then all of the things that just need to direct debit, they just come out and and I don't have to touch anything again, which in COVID, my goodness, if you've been saving your petrol money in COVID, I have saved hundreds of dollars. It's crazy, isn't it? Hundreds, I actually had to, which is so exciting. I had to fill up the other day and I had to have that moment where I thought, which side of the car is the fuel thing on? Because I haven't filled up. I mean, I go to the supermarket every now and then. Half the time I ride my bike now because I can. And I'm thinking, gosh, I can't even remember yeah. when the last time was. So you're true. You know, there's money that we have the ability to save at the moment. And hopefully in the next six to 12 months, that can go towards something really nice for us surviving a really crappy period mm. in um, Australia. So I want to yeah. finish before we finish. I've got oh, one, yes, more, one more please. strategy. Can yeah. I? One more strategy is that when you get emotionally caught into seeing something on Instagram or Facebook or whatever and you think, oh, my God, I need to have like that new ring or that new jumper or that new book or whatever, I now just write it down into a little book or a spreadsheet, whichever works for everyone, and then come back to that one or two days later and see if you still really want that thing. Oh, gold. So you've got to like create some space, yeah, create some space between that emotional desire because that's marketing 101 is like, hit their emotional point. And when you're, you know, laying on the couch on a Tuesday night at nine o'clock and you're like, oh, I'm so bored watching the show and you're scrolling, you will buy anything to feel better. So creating some distance between that emotion and then, you know, going back in, do I really want that? For me, if it's a book, I'll always say, yes, I still need that book. <laughs> but, um, you know, there are so many things that I've put in there. I'm like, I don't need that top or that de- it's not even that good. Yeah. Like it's funny when you do come so, back to those things, it's just and you always think to yourself, "What was I thinking? Like, what mm-hmm. is this? That must have been a late night thought. That one. Like, you can almost tell that it wasn't a rational. Yeah. This is what I need in my life. It'd be pretty and it's nice, but what yeah. the hell? Like, I don't need it. So I love that. I love that yeah. so much. And. I never do it after a couple of vinos. Oh, yeah, never no, no, do no. it. <laughs> There's a really good meme going around at the moment about I've bought so much stuff online. If Australia Post delivered me a llama tomorrow, I probably wouldn't be surprised. Like it's because everyone's <laughs> online shopping and they don't even remember what they've bought. It's just random packages coming to people's houses. I'm like, that's what we kind of need yeah. to avoid. Yep. <laughs> so before yeah. we finish up, yep. I would love to know. What does the next 12 months look like for you and your business? What little sneaky snippets can you share with us? Oh, that's very exciting. Well, I am working on finishing writing my book. It was put on the shelf for a little bit, so writing my book to help women with their physical, mental, social, health, all of those elements. I hope that my podcast will be out sometime. I'm going to say late 2020, to be honest, because it really is only about 12 weeks away, the end of the year. (laughs) If they start putting Christmas decorations up, I'm going to have issues. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like they're coming very, very soon. (laughs) I would like that within 12 months time, we are starting to have a look at Inspired Woman Institute, (gasps) potentially having a physical space where women be members, they come along, they can 
you know, work out with a personal trainer or they can come to a workshop on mindset or have people like your gorgeous self come and talk about finances, you know, a real holistic look at the what it takes to become your inner inspired woman so that you can come to that hub. You might come for a smoothie or a cup of tea, you get together with your girlfriend, or you might borrow a book from the library. This is what I see the Inspired Woman Institute ultimately oh. as, is a place for women to come and just be and bring your laptop and do your study or come and learn about how to set up your first side hustle or whatever. You know, just that, that place where we get to come back to core and to self. You know, when we walk out there, we, we're walking out and we're shining even brighter than we did when we went in. Amazing. I can picture it. And lastly, I would love to know what does becoming yes. financially fit mean to you? Oh, it means that I get to choose how I want to live my life without having to ask people's permission for a loan and things like that. I just, I get to do it on my terms. Oh my God, you make me smile so much. <laughs> Fiona, I can't thank you enough for being so real with us on today's podcast. I think there are many women, not even stuck in necessarily corporate roles, but, but stuck in their life that they possibly mm. want to make some big changes. And they're petrified of taking that big financial scary leap, but also the emotional leap. And they possibly don't even know who to turn to yeah. to work on themselves in order to take that leap. So honestly, thank you so much. We look forward to seeing what other kick-ass women you help on their new journeys to living their best life. Thanks. It's been so wonderful to hang out with you. And yeah, just go and be amazing women. I hope you've loved listening to today's episode of the Becoming Financially Fit podcast. We are all at different stages in our business life, at different levels in our money confidence, and we all have different needs. However, our goals are all along the same path. To learn, to grow, and to succeed in our journey of becoming financially fit. For more tips and advice, you can follow our journey on Facebook and Instagram. Just search for Healthy Business Finances, or you can also search all episodes of our podcast at www.becomingfinanciallyfit.com.au. 